Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorne, action movie screenwriter. And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster. And together we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere. Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre. So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard. Ooh, very nice. Then Die Hard on a Blank is for you. Yes, you personally. Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, drop December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now we have a podcast. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Hello, everybody. It's Liam. Before we jump into this week's episode on the 25th hour, starring Philip Seymour Hoffman and guest co-hosted by Michael Rangeli, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, guys, you're supposed to be talking about Sidney Lumet's Before the Devil Knows You're Dead this week. And that's true. You'd be right in thinking that. However, did you know that Before the Devil Knows You're Dead is barely available on any streaming service. We found that out about four days before we were supposed to record, so we decided to audible and talk about the 25th hour, which we were excited to do. Um, It's a film that had been on our longer list and somehow didn't make it into the top 12 or 13, which feels awful, but then again, so did so many other good films, as Mike points out in this episode. So it was great to get a chance to go back a little bit in time and listen to that episode and talk about it um so we hope you enjoy it and we will cover before the devil knows you're dead in the near future um if you haven't please take the time to rate review and subscribe to the show we could always use more reviews we could always use more listeners we could always use more of our voices in your head um we recently did an episode with annie rose malamet last week it was a bonus episode for august in which we talked about the queer roles of philip seymour hoffman including the master Boogie Nights, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Capote, and Flawless. It's a really interesting episode. Annie's great. She's the best. And we hope you like it. We'll also, in a couple weeks, be releasing our episode on Charlie Kaufman's Sinodoki, 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 New York. Um, We're excited to do that one and talk about it. That's a wacky movie. But we're excited. We're excited. I keep saying we're excited. Guys, we're excited. We're excited about all this. We're happy that you're listening to the show. Thank you so much. Rate, review, subscribe, and enjoy this episode on the 25th hour. Bye bye. I'm Liam Billingham. I'm George Rogopoulos. And I'm Mike Ringel. <gasps> and this is Uber Buster. Yes! Welcome to the show. 25th Hour, directed by Spike Lee from 2002. Which I was happy to do because we talked about wanting to do it before. Um, I, I got to throw this out there. Please. Okay, please. I have a, a gripe with the Uber Busters already. Oh, right off the bat, though. Oh, Because you guys chose not to do Owning Mahoney. And to me, so that's to me that's I'm, the film that I, when I saw uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in that, that was the first film that I was like, this guy can lead a movie. Like, he's fantastic. So we... Uh, allow me to... to, to Please. To get, so we, Owning Mahoney was on my, my... It was the next film on my list. All the right. problem being, one of the reasons it got knocked down is it's also virtually impossible to find that movie. You have a copy yeah, of it. I, I probably have a yeah, copy. Yeah, no, I know you <laughs> that do. I can't get through your, your brother was like, I have it. Yeah. It's fine. Um, but we yeah, couldn't find it. And also, um, I have never seen it. I was about to ask oh, you if it's man. Have you seen it? No, I've never seen it. You guys are missing out, man. So we should, highly we recommended. Should, we I, I mean, to me, it's it goes like Capote and then owning Mahoney oh. as his two best wow. performances. I mean, we could change things. I mean, I know it, it would upset well, a lot of Well, we had fan. to for this. We had to jump backwards yeah. and go back to 2002. That's right. A very I, specific 2002. Uh, yeah, of course. For I this movie. I'm glad you said that too because I didn't go back and see chronologically how far off. We're back like four we're years. Oh, we're but still, it's all right. It's fine. We right. wanted to do this movie. We wanted to do a spike. We wanted, we'd been, we, this kind of was one of the. Do you guys hesitation. try to go chronologically? Like, yeah, we yeah, do we've chronologically. Been doing chronologically. And um, 
what we're thinking for season three, which we're, we haven't fully decided yet, is going to be like a really interesting chronological because there's going to be like 40 year gap, 20, 30 year gaps between some of the things that we're thinking You're about. You're going to do Malik? Yeah, we're going to do Terrence <laughs> Malik. Oh, yeah. God, please. The last thing the world needs is two white guys is, talking yeah. about Terrence Malik. <laughs> this movie is so good. Oh, it's really good. So, George, what happens in 25th Hour? So, 25th Hour is about uh, Monty, Montgomery. Brogan Montgomery Brogan played by Ed Norton mm-hmm. who has 24 hours left of freedom uh, before he goes to jail because he was busted for um, selling drugs and what does he do with his 24 and hours basically what he does with his 24 hours is then he uh, hangs out with his friends he figures out what's gonna happen to his dog oh, it's really great dog acting in here there's good dog acting primo yeah primo um, primo, primo the dog yeah uh, reconciles a little bit with his dad well I guess reconciles maybe too strong of a word because they weren't on the outs no they weren't on the outs and but he b- reconciles with his partner. With his partner, yeah, played by Rosario Dawson. Great whose performance. Name is n- natural. 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 Or called Nat by mm-hmm. her friends. And yeah, it's really just kind of a really interesting character piece about obviously kind of how he's coping with the reality of going away for seven years. We find out that he's going to go to jail for seven years. And he's h- hangs out with his two best friends, uh, played by Barry f- Pepper. Barry Pepper and. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman. Very underrated actor, Barry Pepper. I actually like him a He's, lot. I'm glad you fucking said that because watching this film, I was like, how did this guy not become a bigger yeah, thing he's like, after did this you guys film? He's fucking like amazing. The movie? Had you seen it before? I've seen it before, yeah. Okay, how many I, times have you seen it? This, you, so I hadn't just seen curious. it in years. That's why I yeah. made it a point to like watch it yeah, today yeah, yeah. before I came here. But I remember really liking it the first time I saw it. Now I'm, I feel like I'm seeing it. I saw it again today with fresher eyes. Mm-hmm. And I still liked it. But I have I I'm a little more nitpicky now. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Around. How about you? you I, I loved it. This is my first time watching it. Mm-hmm. I really, really loved it. Cool. I was. I also f- felt like there were certain moments. And obviously, we'll talk about them. Uh, it's a spike movie where it kind of yeah didn't hit like certain uh, notes that yeah. I would have liked it to a hit, or did, yeah. did those notes go like uh, I guess were a little flat. Mm-hmm. But I really liked it. It's my third time. I think I saw it right when it came out. Like not in the theater. I think I watched it on like DVD in like 2002 Mm -hmm. and then actually watched it like four years ago a buddy was like do you want to watch 25th hour and i was like yeah (laughs) just and then so today i watched it and then i watched the first hour last night and then watched the second hour today at work like on my break and i was sitting in a conference room sobbing oh no because for whatever reason the third time i watched this movie (laughs) i was like this thing it's devastating it takes you to some emotional places yeah i think it's a great movie i think i never liked it more than i do now but i i'm curious to hear more about what some of your uh what some of your sort of reservations are about it because it's a really weird movie well you just also said something did you say it was like a very spike lee movie well, I guess what I mean is that like it's a very New York. Thing. One of the yeah, things that I I love about Spike like in general is that he doesn't like unvarnish the edges of the, the edge, his movie. Like he's very committed to his thing, and he's not like interested in giving you a like clean, polished experience yeah, in some ways. I, and I, I think I that that's really that. pretty admirable. But it it makes for some uncomfortable viewing. Sometimes. I think the the one time he tried to do that with with Old Boy. Yeah, which would kind of just seem like maybe he wanted, you know, some money <laughs> was <laughs> and, and that was a big That's a real mess, paycheck you know? movie. Yeah, it feels exactly. like a paycheck movie totally. Um, Although is that sorry cuz I haven't seen it. Is have you seen the original? I love the original. Okay, so yeah. is it like a beat for beat kind of It like, kind of like, is and kind of is he cut some stuff out? It does have the incest. It does have the incest. It does, but uh-huh. he also cut some stuff out, but it just like the whole time it feels like it's on the like you why am i watching this and why did spike leave and waste his time yeah well because it seems like a weird movie to that he would like remake for commercial purposes and and if i and if if spike lee's doing i'm expecting him to like inject some of his own some like like, yeah yeah, 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 he really didn't do that so i was like uh you know why even well watching this i also think it's coming off a time in his career where maybe he yeah he needed the paycheck but also i think spike lee you know he's he's can Maybe that's not true. Maybe you just want the guy to come works in. like crazy. Yeah. He does. Yeah, He's I was nuts. I was thinking about this film in relation to like his larger body of work, and thinking about how, it, into some degree, like fits in but doesn't fit in with all like the mm-hmm. other things that he's done or the things that I'm familiar with. And yeah, I also felt like, wow, this is kind of like a, it, it feels like a bit of an outlier in certain respects. Right. Um, Let's talk about the performances. 
fucking amazing. Yeah. They're all amazing. Like, they're I don't think they're all amazing. Funny enough, but, even like Tony Saragusa, who's like a football player. He does a pretty good job. He's Kostya. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. It's funny, too, because about it, it wasn't until like the second or third time that I saw him on screen. I was like, is that fucking Tony Saragusa? <laughs> yeah. I was like, it is Tony Saragusa. I have no. Uh, who's he, Tony Saragusa? He, he played defense. He played for the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens defensive he was a lineman, defensive yeah. I mean, I knew he was. A, he looks like a football player. And he won the Super Bowl with them, I believe, that one yeah, year, 2001. Yeah. But he was a good player. He was a good player, but like he's decent in it. Like, yes. Yeah. No, for the role he's given. He's, even though he's a bit of a stereotype, yeah, yeah, he's he does bring some kind of pathos to it. It's funny because he uh, he falls into like that the one little air of mystery they kind of put in the movie because for the most part it's a character piece, yes, except for the like who, who gave po- him yeah, up, yeah, kind of who thing. who ratted him, yeah. Out that's to the, the cops. only part of the film that feels like like. Like set up, you know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. Like contrived like, a little bit. It's, there you go, contrived. Yeah. That's the word I'm trying to get. Well, I'm glad at. you said that because that was one of, the, one of the major issues I had with this film was that when he found out that he's the one that ratted him out, there's no fucking motivation for that re- for that character to and, rat him out. Yeah, oh, see, at that's all. interesting because I don't think it's important. I think I read this review of this film today because I went back and looked at some mm-hmm. reviews. I thought you were going to say you read the novel, the Benioff. I have novel. not read the Benioff. <laughs> we should, yeah. yeah, we should talk about that. It's a David Benioff novel. Well, that's why novel. there's all these dragons in it. <laughs> all the dragons. It's fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. all these um, dragons are. The guys that did Game of Thrones. N- and, Ed Norton's uh, walking around. He's trying to get uh, some friend to... At look the beginning, him, a look, dragon gets kicked. Look after his dragon. Yeah. White like, Walker showed up. The yeah, original title like, was How to t- Trade Your Dragon. <laughs> he's like, listen, I'm going away for seven years. I need you to watch my dragon. <laughs> and Phyllis Seymour Hoffman's like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I can do it. But I think we got to change this to a dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doesn't work. So I was, yeah. I was reading a review that... Uh, basically described it as something of a tone poem more than like a full narrative film like it it just dealt in moods and feelings mm. really and so when i when i come back to the costja bit my feeling is that um he keeps saying i had to i had no choice and i feel like that's a really interesting choice that spike lee makes to not reveal his choice because this is a movie about a guy who has a ch- has a choice to make um, it's whether to turn himself in or to run away or Very kill young. himself. And there's like, there's this whole question of choice in this movie for these characters. Like does Philip Seymour Hoffman make the choice? Does Jacob Alinsky played by Philip Seymour Hoffman make the choice to uh, like ha- have some kind of relationship or sexual relationship with his student? Barry Pepper less clearly, but Barry Pepper's torn between wanting to help his friend and be sort of disgusted yeah. by his decisions how does the dad relate to it? So it's like, to me, it kind of, that scene works really well because he keeps saying I had no choice. And finally he says it was like such conviction that I'm like, yeah, this is enough of what this movie for me that it worked. I didn't feel like I needed the motivation for it. You know, it's Mm. funny. You putting it like that is actually, I'm rethinking that scene now because I actually maybe chalked it up to a little bit of lazy writing. Interesting. Cause I I did. Yeah. Cause I was kind of like, he had no explanation. So that's what he wrote. But that actually makes sense, and it, right. it and and it, it actually serves the film a much better. Like <laughs> thinking about it that way, than yeah. The way because I, I just feel like does. there are these there are no choices when you like look. One of the, this movie is a great kind of not anti crime or but like an anti kind of this lifestyle film because it. Oh my god! The way fucked. it builds like to that yeah, like to, to think, that scene and well and just also kind of how fucking yeah ominous and how just life shattering like where this guy is heading yeah you it, it fucking weighs on you and like watching it yeah yeah i think so um what did you guys let's talk about barry pepper he's amazing he's yeah. fantastic in this it's film. such a great performance and it's also great. i hate him for the first 40 minutes well, of the that's thing. why it's so amazing yeah because exactly. yeah, you, yeah, you're like he's a piece of shit wall street broker and like fuck him and then mm-hmm. yes uh, it it's when is it that he takes a turn after um, well, they have that one scene like in the in the club, but he's he still this piece of shit afterwards. Yeah, there's Rosario a scene Dawson, in, the, in the club where he like confronts Rosario Dawson's character. Where he's a piece uh, of shit. Yeah. Nah, yeah, yeah, he's like a piece of shit. But it it's funny because uh, Mon- uh, Monty has the conversation with him that we don't hear. Remember, he's like, "I have to ask you to do something for me." Right, 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 right. And I'm assuming that was the. Kind of at the end, yeah. yeah, yeah. At the I need end. you to like. What does he say? It's a great. He's a great line. I forget what at the is. end, yeah, he's got like what he says. Like I need you to. Oh, uh, I don't know. It's he just, doesn't say really beat the shit out of me. Some, but he says something. <laughs> but he says something else. Like, some. I don't know. It's anyway. Regardless, it's great. 
But it, it, he does come off as an ass in that scene, and he uh, rightfully so because he says some vile stuff. But there's also sort of this like he's trying to get to the bottom of like because you know nothing's coming out. He doesn't right. so. Is it like a friend backing up his friend? Is it him being an asshole? Like, but it, it, you can look at it either way. Well, there's you know? a lot of strong conflict with that character too. And that early, there's yes. that great scene at the the, the Chinese restaurant, which made me want to eat like New York City Chinese. <laughs> but don't, so that's badly. why I love those scenes with him and Philip Seymour yeah, before they're they really ever good. meet up with Monty. Those scenes are great because like they do some great character building. Yeah, and then when you finally get like them with Monty. Nothing has to be explained. You kind of get like their relationship. Yeah, that's true. Each character, it work, it, they work really well. They do work really, really I well. I was actually it's surprised. It's a great relationship. Yeah, and I was surprised by that too, about how long it takes for them to actually meet up with him later. Yeah. But you're right. It's these like amazing moments where you're spending some time with these characters and you kind of learn who they are. Well, I think what, what I, I want to talk a little bit about, speaking of their scenes, the scene when they have the long sing it's one of the most it's certainly not a subtle moment but it's certainly one of the most like there's some weird i want to there's some weird editing choices in this movie that I, you guys might have picked up on I know. some of it intentional I know exactly some of it is just bad <laughs> yeah but there's the scene overlooking uh, ground zero yeah. which is amazing it's like 7 minute take it's a long shot that's the yeah. scene that i when i first saw the yeah. film I, you always remember. That's the one you don't forget, like that, like the ground zero yeah. shot. And it's like a really long take. With it's them like talking. six minutes. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because like Spike has always been known for kind of using these big scores and maybe sometimes it's not used the right way. Yeah. yeah. I felt in this film there. Yeah. There were certain moments where it was like, Ugh, yeah, this it, music, it, like exactly. why? But, but yeah. there's like an eerie score with that scene that i it works like for me it really works and i'm and at first i feel like you can be thrown off by it but as it kind of settles into their conversation i was mm -hmm. like all right I, that scene also now with the kind of obviously with looking back and knowing what, what happened afterwards and that ominous line about the air quality down there yeah. oh how, that's, yeah, uh, yeah barry pepper's character's like oh, i don't care like fuck the psa says it's fine and knowing what we know now yeah you yeah. know, over almost like 20 years later. It's, it's almost of, 20 years. Yeah, it's kind, it's of, kind crazy. of It's kind of crazy. And to be, they shot this thing. I mean, they must have been shooting in like March, April of two, 2002 because I feel like mm -hmm. it came out at the end of the year yeah. and he made a very quick decision. I mean, kind of impressively made this decision go like, this has to, to be a 9-11 yeah, film. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like... So what do we make of that decision? Maybe we should talk about that a little bit. Uh, the decision to... To make it a 9-11 film. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. I want, but first, first, we got to talk about the subject of this podcast, which is, which is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Of course. Um, what you guys? What thoughts on the performance? I mean, to me, Philip Seymour Hoffman's never given a bad performance. But even <laughs> in like the kind of crazy stuff he's been in, like Along Came Pop. So you guys did you did Along Came yeah, Pop? Yeah. That movie's not great, but he's great. <laughs> he's really good movie. in it. It's actually yeah, it's a weird, weird. Make weird it rain. <laughs> when he mm, he's doing the mm, like, that's hysterical. <laughs> Um, someone when we on the Mission Impossible like someone made a comparison between the scene in the bathroom when he can't talk oh, yeah, yeah, voice yeah. chip and that scene in Along Came Polly <laughs> that I thought was really great but well he's he's obviously playing like a very sexually repressed character and he's nah. but yeah, <laughs> no 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 way no. but That's he makes some really great choices there's I don't know if you guys caught this but when he comes into Barry Pepper's apartment yeah he has the magazines on the yes. table Victoria's Secret. Oh, yes, and, and he, he looks at it. He does like a quick yeah. look, yeah, and then and like, but it's really subtle and like comes up. And I was like, that's a great that's character choice. That's a great choice. character <laughs> choice. Yeah. That, there's also a moment where he's saying to um, Barry Pepper later on, like, so there's this, this guy I work with <laughs> named Terry. <laughs> and then he pauses yeah. and he sort of looks off. Yeah. And he's like, and he uh, he's obsessed with a student. And then he pauses and looks off and you're like, it's such lived in real behavior yeah. and like Barry Pepper's character who's like, you know, begins the film kind of as a douche and, and throughout the course you realize he's kind of a thoughtful, clearly repressed and mm -hmm. potentially like PTSD surviving guy like has this just picks up on it because it's like, Oh, like he's yeah. so it's so clear he's thinking yeah. through yeah. You, you, how he much maybe could have gotten yeah. away with it had he not been, been taking like, those so, but so bad. Like, like, what's your friend named Terry? Terry Billup Boffman. <laughs> yeah, that's that's his name. <laughs> like, are you talking about yourself now? Are we, are we still filming? What's going on here? This is getting really meta. Um, 
I know I I liked obviously like he's great in this. Um, I feel like in some sort of way, also, however, the, the character is like a bit of like one note, even though I think like again he brings like nuance to it. Yeah. Um, and I actually felt like this is part like this was one of the like the weaker subplots I felt like of the film. But like, will he or won't he with the seventeen year old student played by Anna Paquin? Right. But where it goes, I thought was like fucking amazing. Talk more about that. Well, it just that obviously like throughout the entire film, the interactions he has with her. She's like very flirtatious. She's right. clearly like pl- pl- like playing along, and then she sneaks in with them to this club because apparently she's there. Like we all have fucking we've all fucking waited in line to see DJ Dust. Hello, <laughs> I love Dust. Yeah, of course. I love when he's like, I like his earlier work. He's like his earlier work. Yeah. That is like such also like a I know white like, boy thing. Yeah. To say. Oh, no, no, well, no. The Benny off like writing this. Like, what would a cool DJ's name be? <laughs> um, and he looks out the window. The, like the sun's coming down. <laughs> DJ Dusk, put that in there. I'm Benny. Uh, you really screwed it. It started as you, like Benioff. a, a script. Yeah, but then he just <laughs> yeah. slid it in. He's like, ah, yeah. DJ Dusk is at the turntables. All of a sudden, dragons come out of nowhere. <laughs> it's like, no, save that for something else. Um, so she sneaks into the club with them, or they help her. Uh, they get her in. And again, she's like flirting with him. She dances a little bit with Rosario Dawson. And at some point, she goes off to the bathroom. After get after sitting in his lap, and there's the iconic Spike Lee shot of her yeah. walking back into the party yes. where like it's slow mo. That moving. shot's like a. It's funny. It's 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 like a static moving shot. Yeah. It's weird. It's on, that it's on that like shot the, is an oxymoron. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I think what they I think the way they do the it is they they get like a, some kind of apparatus. Like it almost looks like a cart and the camera. Yeah, and they pull and the actors on it as well, yeah. and, they and they just, just pull, pull it. And it's like a deep focus. Like it's a, I guess it would be a long lens so that the background has yeah. this like very, I mean, that's my guess watching it. I'm, you know what's funny is that we all know he's you might gonna, know he's going to use that shot yeah. in every one of his films because he just does. Yeah. But after he started using, but the Anna Paquin moment when she comes out of the bathroom yeah. was actually, I think, one of the best uses it's of really that good. shot. It's really good. Because it, sometimes... Wait, he after blow, he kisses her, you mean? No, or? it's before she, she... So he. it's when she comes over and gets on when his lap. When she comes over and yeah, gets on his she's lap. she's on E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and she, is that when she's going to the bathroom? So she sits on his like lap, right? Like she kind of like, I guess, grinds. He pushes her off a little. No, the shot's before that. It's when she comes over right, to him at yes, that point. Yes, yes. Right, but right. I'm saying then he pushes her off and she says, where's the bathroom? Right. And he misreads it as like, Come and meet Call me in the And there's actually yeah. a great take where it follows her up the stairs, follows and the waitress back yes. down. Yeah. He's yeah. standing yeah. there. And then um, the waitress kind of gives him a look and comes by. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. he walks into the bathroom and she's like, do you need to pee? Yeah. And he kisses her and she's clearly not having it. And right. it's this great moment where it becomes real for like both of them in yeah. totally different ways. And he's like, what the fuck did I do? And yeah. then when he walks out, there's yeah. the Spike Lee shot. There's the Spike the Lee kind shot. Kind of iconic. Yeah. It's just the reverse. Which I want to take a shot of and like tweet about it. Like the look you make when you realize you've just made the biggest fucking mistake <laughs> yeah, in your right. life. It's not great. And yeah. And you realize like, and that's, that's, that's he really cool. sells that moment. He does. Though. He's great. Just because there's no dialogue. It's and, just very. And maybe speaking to what you, you that review read, you read about this being a tone poem, what I do love about the aftermath of this is that there isn't like, let's say a scene where he's talking to an administrator at school and she's like, we need to talk about what happened with your student. This is completely, you know, but like, do you think he gets, he doesn't get in trouble. It doesn't matter in the long run. Yeah. I don't think think it's something about him. Exactly. It's more about revealing his character than anything actually happening. Right, right, right. Of course. And it's, and it, well, I think also the Roger Ebert called this one of the best films of the decade. Well. He's yeah. This and number one was uh, another Philip Seymour Hoffman film, Synodoc, New York or whatever it's oh, called, oh, Synecdoche. Yeah. But this yeah. was like number eight, and part of it was he was like, "This is a movie about men who like realize their worst impulses." Yeah, I'm glad you said that too because there is something, and maybe we'll talk about it. The what this film says or doesn't say about masculinity, I think, is really interesting. I'm interested, yeah, I think that's an interesting thing to talk about. I want to talk because we've been we're on the subject. I want to talk a little bit the, about the filmmaking because. That mo- the Spike Lee iconic shot that the tilt down when they're in the over Ground Zero those are like really effective moments and there's some great cinematography in this movie. But Rodrigo Pietro, the, Rodrigo mm-hmm. Pietro, so good. What else did he shoot? Did he shoot? He shot into the wild. He shot into love. the wild. Did uh, he shoot? Um, did he shoot? Did he shoot? Uh, I want to say he broke shot. back mountain. 
Mm, or was that Luzbeski? I'm not sure. I think he shot in a Brokeback Mountain. I feel like this was a little bit of a depart, like a he departure. He shoots a lot of uh, of like exterior nature stuff. Like he yeah. shot like motorcycle diaries. He shot that. Uh, okay. So he's like stuff like that where it's like it's outside. It's, it's yeah. in nature. It's or it's like a road film. Rodrigo Pietro shoots a lot of that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I'm trying. But to this film up. obviously isn't that. That's why it's kind of weird that mm-hmm. like Spike used him for this, but it works. You know, it he, does work. Yeah, there's a lot of really oh, okay. nice. So he like sh- composition. Fuck. Yeah, he he's... shot Brokeback Mountain, Silence, which is like Silence. Is, yeah. <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street, mm. Babel, Amores Peros, Twenty One Grams. So he shot all of the uh, early, in RA two Argo, Eight Mile. Wow, Lust Caution. Let's go. Well, we, for, we can forgive him for Argo. That he way. shot the Irishman. <laughs> he shot. No, no way. He he shot Irishman. He shot Irishman. Oh. Um, pretty amazing. Yeah. So you wanted to say something about the editing? Well, there's so. Or is that what you there's gonna... yeah, like well, there's these triple takes of things. There's the oh, like yes. the triple yeah, takes yeah, of yeah, stuff, yeah, which yeah. like I I don't feel ever works, and that's the, my yes. feeling. Yeah, okay. he does these like weird like hug, jump hug, double hug. cuts. Yeah. That are. They're strange. It, it kind of doesn't, yeah, add anything to what you're watching. Yeah, you know? him, yeah. And then there's a couple scenes when he jumps the line like crazy. he jumps the line like crazy, but also like so like, you know, you'll be on one side of the frame and then you'll and then he'll cut and the the person he's they're speaking to is in the same position looking in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but also there's these scenes that I, I hate to say it, but it made me think of that clip that everyone was sharing of Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. where it's like, why do you have <laughs> this is a dialogue scene between Barry Pepper and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Why do you have eight different setups and yeah. why are you cutting between them with like almost no sense of... You know Because I was trying to figure out why he did that. I'm yeah. watching it and he's cutting all around. And I'm like, I don't understand this. It's weird. It's just a strange way to shoot it. Yeah. Then Rosario Dawson comes in and I it struck I was like, is he trying to set it up so that cuz her character faces the other way? Right. So so it feels more natural when she comes in, it's, but yeah. I I just thought it would have seemed natural if she walked in and then we cut to those shots yeah. rather than cutting through it before. It's weird. It's just it, it feels very distracting some of the editing in the movie. Like I and I feel like that sometimes that might be an intentional choice he's made. And I'm not sure I know why. Well, yeah. I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I did not. I did the triple takes or the double takes. Kind of the, <laughs> that stuff did kind of. It didn't. I guess it didn't annoy me because it felt like it was like, all right, this is just kind of like the aesthetic of the film. This right. was doing, and it wasn't kind of, I guess, being done to the extent that it was. Um, I felt like overburdening the film, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you could like suggest that it has to do with like I don't know the the chaos, the internal chaos, the turmoil that he's going through, and feeling like he doesn't know like who's trust well, or not the trust. Like I'm just trying to be generous. To me, it doesn't read that way. That's the problem. Like you, yeah. for me, if you're making conscious decision to do that, I feel like the people should get that, and I and not have get to guess that at all. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I was Which just is but, like, Why is but that's how I like feel <laughs> also. Then like about like going back to the. Tony Saragusa, I had no choice. That's what I feel feel also about right. like that scene. And I think like that reading of it to suggest like, oh, it's again, it's more like of a tone poem. I was like, well, sure, but I feel like in so many other moments the film is steeped in such a real deep conviction and like the character's motivations. Yeah. That it does it seems kind of weak to suggest that this one moment is more like intentional in its kind of confusion or its kind of um uh, allowing you to guess what exactly happens, yeah. um, whereas it just might not be, be bad writing, or there might have been like sorry, there might have been like a, 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 a no. like a very brief scene filmed and made it on the on the cutting room well, floor that it, it explains why he would betray him. I think that one of the th- that so that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I I almost am sure that material exists somewhere, but I think that like one of the things that I admire about Spike Lee, and I think this is because he's an independent filmmaker, um, is that he you can feel that this is a filmmaker that doesn't go like, cool, I wrote the script, let's shoot this. I think you can see the experimentation and the risk-taking and the, yeah. and, and the kind of open space. at that time, yeah. too. Yeah. Like, if you think about, like, Bamboozled had come out, Holy I think, just shit. before that. That, movie, that yeah. it, to me, is, like, one of his most, like, kind of like, fuck it, I'm doing what I want yeah. kind of films. Well, it's and a, it's an angry movie. Like, it's amazing. It's fantastic. It's a, I think it's one of his best so, movies. So I think at that time, he was really, like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to experiment with stuff. Yeah. I don't care. 
So maybe that could be an explanation mm-hmm. for why he kind of chose. He might not even even know why he was doing certain right. things at a certain time. He was, you know, oh, let's just mess with this toy with yeah. this because he was doing a lot more experimental stuff at that point. That's true, and I think like you know later now in his career he's diversified a lot more in terms of what he does in terms of commercials, documentary. Yeah. I mean, he was making documentaries then, but a lot he's, more sort of space, and now he's doing a lot of series stuff so he's a it's lot like, like scorsese in that like he's got like a million little documentaries right that like you might not even heard some of which are incredible no, some of them are the fantastic. katrina one is really good um is it the when the levies yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's great really, that's really good um this is also after inside man um, no before inside it's man before which inside is like man. also Clive Owen this, one? Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah with denzel washington which has some of the same kind of like really great crisp action and yeah. then some sort of like I think that that movie is really, really good too. But uh, yeah, I feel like uh, I think this film had like, I read the Rotten Tomatoes summary because I was curious about some of these reviews. You know how they do that kind of like, it's pretty annoying and reductive, but the Mm -hmm. like sentence tag. Yeah. And I feel like, and I'm always curious about this because I think that they don't say this about a lot of directors. So it's, it's, and they, of course they said it about Spike is like, despite Spike Lee's overzealousness, he delivers like a very, uh, masterful film and it's kind of like I don't think this film was at all overzealous I don't think it's overzealous or over exuberant I think he just has flourishes and I think he wants them to be in the movie I, I think, think the, the, the well, oh sorry I just felt like the, uh, the rant was the most like spike yeah. moment yeah um, and even that moment is like relatively controlled because it is so short and he returns to it later with like the same images when he's in a different car, context right? when he's yeah. let's talk about the rant well, well sorry Mike wanted to say oh, something yeah. maybe about like no yeah George don't get so mad sorry sorry sorry, sorry. <laughs> Come on, my career. I don't even remember that. Like, <laughs> it's been like 30 minutes. <laughs> no, I honestly, I don't even I remember. I have to be so bad. <laughs> um, let's talk about that scene. The rant. The rant. The rant. Oh, wait, real quick. The school that he goes to at the beginning. Mm-hmm. City College. <laughs> what the, what the, what the, what the, a lot of CUNY in this room. A lot of CUNY in oh, yeah, this room. Yeah. Brooklyn College. BC. City College. Queensboro Community College, fuck yeah, motherfuckers. But also graduate center. But also graduate center. We're at graduate center. <laughs> what what? Um, and I was I, that was my building. That was the building I spent two oh, years yeah. in. Shepherd Hall looks like Hogwarts from the outside. <laughs> kind of does, right? Really? Are you gonna go nostalgic? <laughs> you will get to walk uptown. You're like, cool. I'm in Harlem. And you take a left, and you're like, where the fuck <laughs> am I? All of a sudden. Anyway, let's talk about that scene. You know, it's funny because it, it is. I feel like that's definitely the most Spike moment in the yeah. film. Do I necessarily think it was needed or worked? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I'm actually. I feel like when I first saw this film, I was like, "Yeah, Spike, you t-. Yeah. And then now I was watching it, and I was kind of like, "I can watch this movie without that scene, and it would have no difference." So apparently, wow. apparently, uh, Disney wanted it out of the film. And oh really? Like, yeah, and like Spike was like, no, no, we wanted it. Like, I'm, I'm gonna like film it anyway, and like he obviously kept, kept it, it in. in. Yeah, but apparently they wanted it out of the film because it is obviously like also the the part in the film that is the most like polemical, the most like racially charged. Right. But I felt like I felt like it worked because for me, one of the best things about this film is that it is like such like a New York film. Right. And then yeah. it does like such a great job of both like. Of, of just like representing in a twisted way like what's great about the city <laughs> like right it's, like, it's diversity Talks what do you mean like yeah well just because like he obviously the what he does is he rants against like all of this diversity in the city and that's like obviously well except for the wall street guys right because they suck they always suck but that like he, hey, i don't know some of my best friends yeah. are wall street guys <laughs> but that not really but that he goes through like again all like these stereotypes and these kind of right. pre- you know prejudices that people and might the, have and about the taxis like, and yeah about like everybody like different kind of uh people in the city and then at the very end, he's like talking, obviously talking to himself in his mind. He's like, no, fuck you. Like, nobody's to blame but yourself. And, and I it's felt an, like it's, it's equal opportunity offender. Kind and of it comes, it, yeah. it eventually comes back to him. Of course. That's yeah. kind of the saving grace of that rant. Because totally. if, if it didn't have that, yeah. I'll be like, all right, Spike's just like, yeah. you know. But there's no way, there's no way he would have, I think, included that. Well, like maybe he would have, but I mean, I think if obviously he did without kind of have that last moment. To see like, then if, a different if character. Like, by was it Benioff? By how you say Benioff? Benioff, Benioff, right? Yeah. If like Benioff was like, "Hey, Spike, we got to kind of." Let, well, let I don't. Me I wonder if it's in the novel. It, yeah, I kind of highly doubt it's in the novel. 
or some version of there it, might be a version thing. where yeah. he looks in the mirror he sees the fuck you on his head yeah and like goes into like an inner monologue yeah. about like oh you know screw like yeah. my friends and then it comes back to him and spike i could see spike taking that that one step further yeah yeah no i totally could too i mean it's a really interesting moment because it's a white guy in staten island right i think that part's i mean it doesn't matter where it is but whatever mouthing this sort of like at times racist and at times oh, equally times very racist. Yeah. but also yeah. like kind of an equal opportunity oh yeah, yeah. Kind right of thing. Yeah. He, he does the full spectrum and it's of, like, you know through like the probably the most significant like african-american filmmaker of of a generation of people mm-hmm. like it's a really interesting moment i find it very puzzling but i also find it and again not a native new yorker but kind of a quintessential new york moment where it's like fuck you fuck you fuck yeah. you fuck you but you're actually all fine it's all <laughs> fine yeah. all of it's fine what's well, like the scene coming uh Coming to America, right? When the, the barber's just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, next. Yeah. Do you guys classic, think this classic, is like right? a great New York movie? And what makes yes. a great New York movie? I do. I I, I would say it, it's a pretty great New York movie. Because uh, to, to what you were saying, like things like that, the fuck you, fuck you, yeah. that feels very New York. He does a good job of, of just covering like just the way he shoots it number one like we get right. and he shoots from like areas in new york that you don't really get showcased a lot too like the end this the scene at the end like when after barry pepper beats him up but like where is that shot like all, along the river there yeah oh, i don't know but that, yeah. he doesn't like showcase like the brooklyn bridge or anything yeah. like that he's showing you like a really well, kind of industrial yeah. part of new york well and they're all over the city too they're all over the city like, but in astoria they are the, well, well you in, see the shot of a story. Yeah, yeah that's right. Just they, they don't ever actually and Park Slope. <laughs> and Park Slope. And for, yeah. Park Slope shot as well. That might that could be any neighborhood, but it looks like Park Slope. I want to say that has to be on the east side, like where he shot that. Yeah. But it, it seems very industrial. It almost doesn't even seem like New York at, at, at moments, even though I know it is. But it, it just shows you that New York is very diverse, even in just the landscape. Do we know like. where Total. he's supposed to live? No. It's uptown, I think. He lived uptown, yeah. Yeah, because he's walking around City College, obviously, which doesn't mean that's where that is, but that whole opening It's supposed to be a high school. Is, is, yeah, right? the opening. Yeah. But, like, well, there is a high school at City College. There's a high ah, school building uh-huh. in the, on the on the grounds. It is also interesting. It, I, I did love the touch, which is, like, accurate, that he, he's living in a really nice apartment, but it's not, like, grandiose. But he does say that the rent is really expensive. And I was like, yes, that is really fucking yeah. accurate. Because that really nice apartment, even though it's not, like, a mansion, yeah. would cost. Yeah, the well, rent would be all, So, yeah, what are we ta- is that, like, in the one ones? What do you think? It's 80s? He live in the 80s? Where does he I live? I think he lived, yeah, like, in the 80s or in, in the, like, lower 100, yeah, you know? Because yeah, mm-hmm. even when you see him come out of... At, there's a point where I think you see him come out of his building. Right. And you, like... You could tell just from that architecture, it's that area. Like, it's up around there. Right. And and these that, are, that real estate's really expensive. Are so they you supposed, know to be, they're supposed to be from Bensonhurst, right? I you know, he's an Irish it's, kid from... Is it, it's definitely yeah, he Brooklyn. He and Barry Pepper's character from Bensonhurst and... Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is from Upper East. Well, he's supposed yeah. to be Jewish, right? Yeah, because yeah, he yeah. says you're Jewish. rich, like Jewish. Yeah, rich kid from Jewish upper, kid for like Jacob Belinsky, yeah, yeah. which is interesting. Like it's a the movie does a nice job of I mean, obviously it's a Spike Lee movie. Like it knows the city and it knows how to Yeah. It reminds me see like its take on like race and ethnicity re- reminded me a lot of like Cassavetti's films in the sense interesting. because a lot of in a lot of those Cassavetti's films Season one of this podcast yeah. <laughs> was about John Cassavetti. There's like a negotiation. Go back and check it. It's on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Google Play, all the places. Goodbye. There's a negotiation. <laughs> And a kind of dealing with, you know, like race and ethnicity, but not in a didactic, like hit you over the head sort of way. Yeah. You're, and yeah, I felt yeah, like yeah. what was great about this film, again, is that like when those issues do come up, you're not. Yeah, it's not. It's just not didactic. He's not uh, holding your hand, like trying to get you to like parse through certain things. Right. So, for example, Which makes like, that speech provocative. The rant provocative. The, yeah, rant, I was the gonna, rant provocative. I was actually going to get yeah. to say But that. also at the very end, when you see like when he imagines what this future would have looked like, yeah, and you see like this beautiful biracial family, and like even that is a kind of like a commentary. Like I think there's like something to be said there about like this potential future that doesn't happen because obviously he gets locked away. Right. And also to juxtapose that moment with. The moment again when they're like driving and there's all these constant shots of his dad's American flag on his car. Yeah. Which is like great. You yeah. Know, like the editing there, I felt, and like the scene selection, it was like just I even really felt sort of like, the montage. There's, the montage, a, there's yeah. like a close up of the flag on the car. And when you see the car in the longer shot, 
you could tell it's like a small flag, but in that close it's up, huge. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. You use the bigger flag because he and made it, it a point. I feel like to it kind that. of appears in the movie. It's not necessarily like. You know, I feel like when you first see the car, you don't see that flag, and then all of a sudden it becomes yeah. this really, really prominent kind of kind of thing in the I film. I know when the father pulls up, I noticed it. Like with the car. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I didn't notice it. And, but then in that shot, I was like, this flag's huge. Like, yeah. It's like tremendous <laughs> in this shot. I There's feel no like... Way. Um, Even in a close-up, it wouldn't look that big. That's you know? true. I also feel like one we didn't in the when we we're talking about performance we didn't talk about Brian Cox who's so good he's amazing in this movie. and his monologue at the end it's incredible fantastic. and it's also like I'm so used to Brian Cox as like kind of being this larger than life kind of I mean but this movie is a good reminder that like this fucking guy is a character actor and he's so good the man was like, the original Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and he's well. kiss kiss or not long kiss good night he's so good in that <laughs> the long kiss good night classic it is um. <laughs> So we started to touch on this a little bit. What do you guys think this movie's about? Ooh, deep. Ooh. Deep. I think it's about America. No, it's it about is a, about America. It is, but it's also about a you know it's, uh, it's about a lot of things. It's about <laughs> yeah, it's funny. The end. It's, <laughs> Goodbye. Love it's you. It's about choices, like you said earlier. <laughs> right. Obviously, like, but I, it's also kind of about like being torn down and brought up again because like it starts with the dog getting beat. You hear the, the sound, oh, yeah. and then yeah, we didn't talk it's about brought that scene. back, you know. And he even says, "Like, I feel like this is the best thing I ever did with my life, yeah, or yeah. something." Because like every that. day that dog lived, yeah, it's actually it's like really moving. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that idea, it it, it run, it's not like driven in; it's not beaten into your head, but it, it's there throughout the right, whole. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. Too, you, know? you get. I guess you don't see a lot actually of him being like a bad guy. In the sense of him well, doing violence, I don't think he is others. a bad guy necessarily. No, no, in the in the, in the conventional, yeah, in the conventional obvious sense. Because that scene, that scene really reminded me of that one moment in Goodfellas where um, uh, Ray Liotta's character is a young man, like helps that one guy who got like shot in the arm or something, right. and, like runs over and like he's the only one that like helps him. Everybody yeah. else like making fun of him. Spider, um, played by. No, it wasn't Spider. What do you mean? No, oh, no, no, he's no, talking about no, no. In the, in the, in the flashbacks, oh, yeah, 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 when he's yeah. a young, I've never seen a young kid. I've never I'm seen it. <laughs> you should check it out. It's really, good. I fucking watch it all the time. Drop the do microphone you? and go watch. Do you it still now, watch yeah. it all the time? I was just like on a plane, maybe two or three years ago, and there was just like I was just going through all like these new films. Like oh, I could see this was like oh, holy shit, Goodfellas is all. I'm gonna fucking yeah, watch Goodfellas. It has that effect. I was. This was like a few months ago. I it was late, and I. Had to get up early the next day. Goodfellas was on TV. I watched the whole thing, and that's a long movie. It's, it's a long time. And I just watched it all night. I was like, I can't not. I went. Finish. I, just talk about that. I had a f- <laughs> I had a film in a film festival a couple years ago, <laughs> and there was a screening of Goodfellas that they did like in conjunction. And they had I, f- I forget who it was, but they had like the celebrity they were able to book mm-hmm. was some fucking Jamoke who's in like a couple <laughs> scenes. He's the guy that has to sign his bar over. I forget. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, so yeah. he gets up there and introduce the movie and he's just kind of like, it's not going great. Yeah. Like he's just kind of like <laughs> making jokes about being Italian American, yeah. whatever. And, and people like, get point, off the stage, play the point, film. This woman gets up to go like to go out like completely innocently, probably has to go to the bathroom or something. And he goes, make sure to wash your mouth after. Oh, and she walks out of the theater. And the entire theater, shit. the entire theater went. Oh. <laughs> and he was like, all right, well, uh, is it, is thanks it, for coming to the yeah. screening. I'll be signing an autograph. And then it ended. Like, is this not, not 1986? Like, literally, I thought someone was going to, like, put a thing out and pull him oh, out. Oh, like, like this, like, she was, like, maybe 24. Like, oh, and it was just, like, like, it was so Holy bad. God. Anyway. It was awful. Um, but, but anyway, but speaking of Scorsese, this feels like it might be Spike's most like Scorsese-esque film too. You think so? It's funny. I think I reserved that for Clockers because that was actually supposed uh, to be yes. a Scorsese film, which I thought about once and while I was watching it. Over, yeah. but uh, it is though. It yeah. does feel like a Scorsese film in a lot of ways too. But I can't imagine a Scorsese version of this movie. Really? I could. I, yeah. The funny thing is, when I was he watching can't make it today, about the Irish, the Irishman <laughs> coming in twenty twenty. <laughs> Um, Netflix is our sponsor, Liam. There goes, there goes all that Netflix money. <laughs> you, you said fuck Netflix in the beginning. Of the Shh, don't worry about <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna cut it out. Yeah, we're, we're gonna edit that. That's out. not me. Uh, wait, when you're watching it today? No, I actually was thinking, man, like it would have been a very different film, but yeah. Scorsese could have made this film. Mm. And it I does feel have that. Yeah. It has like, like it has those beats that he could have done like his yeah. own spin. And uh, Spike Lee, in a way, is kind of like. Like, um, I think he might have actually been taught by Scorsese. Yeah, no, he right? was. Yeah, he yeah, was, yeah, right? NYU, yep. So, 
I feel that in some of his films. Like you could be like, all right, like it'd be so. It, they should have a podcast. Spike Lee and Martin <laughs> Scorsese. I would listen. Spike to and Martin. First of I would listen to that. As soon as the episode dropped. Oh, my dropped, God. I'd be, like, I'd be like, I can't come into work today. Well, Marty was a, a guest um, host for a couple of those episodes we did in season one. That's right. That's yeah. right. He didn't really have a lot to say, but he was there. He, was he, just there. he just sat there silently. Yeah. I think one thing that this movie kind of is about in, in light of now. So first of all, there's a Donald Trump reference. Which yes. I was like, yes. <gasps> I cringe a little. What yes. do you think it was? Donald Trump. Yeah. But also, um, it has a little bit of like, who's America? quality to totally. it especially in the At the end the ending when they have him in this kind of ridiculous um old man old <laughs> oh, man kind of makeup, thing yeah. but they're all wearing white and his family is like multi like as you said multi like yeah. racially and like it's really moving in a weird way but it's like this is a fantasy and this movie actually deals with like the fantasy of that the fantasy of that yeah, totally. yeah that in itself in and of itself is like is that a fantasy right where, and where and, we can go, and also yeah. it's kind of like your main protagonist in this movie is like a working white working class or middle class guy from like brooklyn it's yeah. just an interesting i don't know it's it's interesting to see spike take on this thing because you don't like normally associate like benson like italians and irish from bensonhurst and with like america like, exactly yeah. yeah well and also just like it's he manages to find something interesting to say. To say, and I'm not 100 percent sure what it is, but he has something to say with it. And I think part of it is like, well, I think it's a cr- second critique. chance. Tell like of what? No, well, the, again, the sense of like his dad's like it's going to be great. We'll drive out to the mid fucking west. You'll reinvent yourself, which is also like a very conventional or Americana American trope of the sense of like you go out west and you become somebody new, or you re- or you rediscover yourself, or you discover yourself, you recreate yourself. Yeah. Um, so to do it in such a way where it becomes like this fantasy and obviously you find out like it's an impossible fantasy, I think to me is like a critique of that. Okay. And also like, again, with like, you see like the ratty, like American flag and you think about also kind of the implications of like nine 11 and how that's also like wrapped up in all of this. I mean, I think to me, I read it as like a critique of that idea of, let's say of, um, yeah, the American dream in the most kind of reductive sort of say of like the American dream. Scott Fitzgerald's quote, like there are, there are no second acts. second acts in American life. I thought yeah. about that a little bit. Um, it's funny though, because like his father says like, get when on he's that coming mic, get on that end, mic. When he's coming yeah. to the end of that, he's so, I'm so used to not like. Yeah, you got to eat it. <laughs> when, <laughs> he's, uh, when he's coming to the end of that monologue, he says something along the lines of like, and you could tell the the children that this never could have happened if this and that. And it felt like, I don't know, he was maybe taking a little, not I don't want to say taking a jab at his son, but like kind of putting it into his head that he also messed up what could have happened. Because he, mm. knows, he knows that they weren't going to do that. Right, exactly. You know? Well, in the movie, I mean, I think the final shot is him kind of nodding off in on the car, the car away, yeah. um, going to prison. Yeah. Can I, all, all, can I say one thing that annoyed me about those last scenes, though, in that montage? Please, the beautiful, incredible yeah. last six minutes, yeah. I think, that are perfect. Uh, you're wrong, but when they're out in the de- they're out in the desert, like you gotta see these. Like the father's like, you gotta see the desert. Every you man, ever seen woman, the desert? child needs to see the desert. And you see him in the desert, and he's walking through, and you hear like, the did you really? Yes. I, I was going to say that. It's, Thank you, it's Mike. Absurd. You, <laughs> it's you absurd. You hear like three eagle screeches. Yes. And I was like, why did he put this yes. in his movie? It's ridiculous. I was, like, I was like, are you fucking kidding? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Don't, just don't put the dog on the fucking sound. The, the dogs. Just, just don't put the eagles on the sound. Hey, Spike, your amazing seven minute sequence <laughs> at the end of your movie is ruined by a couple eagle squeaks. <laughs> says three idiots in apartment. Well, actually, two idiots. So the third idiot is yet to respond. Yeah. Fine with I think that that sequence is like I'm virtuoso. so fucking glad Mike it is, is here. But that went I it's as soon as I gotta like, go back. And I watch. thought I didn't hear it the first time. I was like, wait, did I just hear an eagle? <laughs> Three and I was like, times what happened again. <laughs> Three times. It's crazy. And <laughs> I guess like that's America that eagles. Right. <laughs> And once you hear the eagle squeal three times, that's when you'll know when you're out in the desert yeah, and you found the silence <laughs> and you found America. I don't think I noticed that. And you know, but the funny thing is that the, apparently like that, that sound isn't even a bald eagle. Like it's some small bird. But the bald eagle sounds like a, like, like a Does little pipsqueak. It's very so pepper crying. That 
screech for a bull. Oh, because ba- like eagles weird... actually sound like they're yeah, throwing so up like cats. Or that something. just makes it even weirder that I that he put that so But other than that, beautiful sequence. Yeah. You had some complaints about the lines you said. Oh well, no, I, there was a line though also where Brian Cox says something about like that's where you go out and you find the silence. That's where you'll find God or something like that. I was yeah. like, oh, it, was like, it felt a little heavy handed. But it's America, uh, but, man. Yeah, it's a movie about America. He, yeah, he says something about God's kingdom. I believe in God's kingdom and, yeah. and, and you know, I'll be with your mother. Yeah. Right? yeah. I thought it was all very I moving. I actually kind of liked it. I, I'm not. I'm not. It yeah. was. Also, it was very moving. Empath- it's very, I, I felt a lot, I a lot of empathy. And I texted with, you. Uh, and I texted you. With Brian Cox's character. And, in those and, final and I texted you. I was watching it just to shit on that scene, even though, yes, it was moving. And you, I think, correctly said, like, well, it, it's kind of over the top because it's mythic. It has and a mythic. The ending. And it totally. Mythic, and yeah. you're totally right. And I think. It's it, the myth of the second act or the self-made American man. A little totally. Bit, and about how it's not possible. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Well, and it's also just interesting. Like one of the best things about this movie is the extent to which you, uh, from the moment after Barry Pepper beats the shit out, and that scene's devastating. Mm-hmm. But he comes home, and she sort of cleans the wounds, and the dad shows up, and it's just so heavy. It's not heavy-handed. It's like spikes. Oh some yeah, of the, yeah. Some of the best work. Because he just lets it play out. And you know, like, this guy's going to jail. He might get murdered. Seven years is forever. And he's talking about, like, being in the jail. And you're just like, oh, my fucking God. Yeah. And the movie does a nice job of dealing with, like, some of that weird drug law. Like, if there's a brief references to the drug laws earlier when yes, Isaiah Whitlock. the Rockefeller laws. Shit, yeah, 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 yeah. To the Rockefeller <laughs> laws. And, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Great too. spike yeah. choice to have Isaiah Whitlock. Yeah. Go, those scenes are amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're really good. But the fact, the reference to the Rockefeller laws. Very good like, social commentary, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, well, and it's also, like, buried into the story, like, mm-hmm. nicely. But you, you just... It's just very, very. It's it almost has like great American drama quality to it when you think about like yeah great American drama is the whole idea of like the the pain of decisions that you've made in the past and how those manifest and especially in light of nine eleven and like what are the well there's no coming back from that it's like a very prescient and maybe prophetic thing yeah for the movie to say I love this movie I think it's great I thought it was a really good movie yeah I'm glad we watched it I mean. Like I said, I I I still do really like it. I think I found a little bit, what little you, more what, things so to make. Anything else? Kind of really more in the filmmaking stuff, like those yeah. like cu- cuts and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And the Spike Lee rant, could it have done without it? Maybe. Yeah. I don't hate it, but maybe it could have done without it. I don't know if I'm completely sold on it. It right made now, me but. think a little bit. I mean, very different, but it made me think a little bit about the sequence in Black Klansman mm-hmm. when he juxtaposes the screening of Birth of a Nation with Harry Belafonte talking to the That's activist. That's an amazing sequence, and it's amazing because it has nothing to do with the plot. No. But he kind of like creates this incredible. It's really cinematic because yeah. he creates this like dialectic conversation between two points of views and uses like the history of cinema to kind of like. Yeah, and like this doesn't have that power to it. This sort of like stoppage in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a weird. It's a weird. It's a. F- it's like a. It's weirdly like flawed. But again, it's a Spike movie, and I love that Spike takes the time in his narrative features to be like, "Here's an essay. I'm gonna make you watch one." Yeah, like you're gonna listen to what I have I to say. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really. a Spike, very Spike thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is I think what we all kind of like like about his stuff. Uh, he whether it he works all the time. That's another question. I think like you just what you just brought up with Black Cans. I mean, it it do, it's kind of feels like it's detached from what you're watching, but that scene works really well. Works, for what and you're in the larger well. narrative, exactly. Yeah, totally. it, it it feels more in place than this does in this film. Yeah, and the the lead up to this is very heavy handed with the seeing the fuck you and the fuck you. Like, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird thing, but I like it just the same. Yeah, I mean the film's still fantastic. I'm not gonna lie; it's, like, really good. it's a fantastic it, film. It, it, but I do, I will say, having now, I don't, I don't think it really hit me until this third screening. And maybe it's because you know I watched the first time I watched it, I was twenty, twenty, twenty-one, twenty, and a Paquin's age, and right, young. Oh, well, because I looked up their ages too, because I was like, how old like are they supposed to be? And actually, like Ed Norton, for example, so he says. In the film, his character is supposed to be 31. And I think he actually was like 31 or 32. Barry Pepper is so good in this movie. He is, yeah. Philip Philip Hoffman's a little bit older. He's probably 35, 36. Yeah, what happened to Barry Pepper? He was in True Grit. 
Oh, he's very good in True Grit. He's great in True Grit. He still kind of appears in things here. He shows up at the end of True Grit. He does. Yeah, he's one of the. He's like a bad. definitely a character actor, but you know, I'm sure he's working. Oh, but I did want to come back to like <laughs> what I've dis- what I've decided to talk about Phil Hoffman. What I've decided is little Phil and big Phil <laughs> okay. and little Phil or his like kind of like uh, kind of like anxious, like his uh, his a little bit his boogie nights, a little bit happiness. Yeah. There's okay. a lot of happiness yeah. in this performance that kind of like, yes, the schlubby, but he's much like more loser. relatable yeah. in this movie than he is in that. And then I feel like the the big Phil is like master. Yeah. Um, Mission Impossible 3. Mission Impossible 3. Where he 3. gets to like emote. <laughs> yeah, well, right, so like, like he has this equal ability of being ferocious and yeah, repressed. Yeah. Alpha versus Alpha Phil versus Gamma Phil. Right. <laughs> and, well, it's kind of true. Or Beta Phil. He's not, even, well, he's not even Beta. He's Gamma. But you can't. Yeah. Along came Polly is Big Phil. Uh, Al- yeah, it's Big <laughs> Phil. It is, yeah. And it's it's interesting to watch him here because I don't think that this is one of his most, I think it's a great, it's a good performance, but it's not one of his most stunning performances. Correct. Because I think it's he's not doing that yet. As it's an funny. Actor. I think it's actually the type of character that a lesser actor, it, you would have just kind of been like, ah, cause it's, it is a little one. Like you said, like, wait, wait, actually, did you say you were, this I was, was the weakest this, this subplot. I felt yeah. it was like a little weak. Yeah. But, but because it's Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he elevates yeah. that character. If it was a weaker actor, you probably just would have wrote it off altogether. Well, he's also but funny. He is, yeah. Yeah, it's a funny performance. And he mm-hmm. knows how to take a kind of like strange character that might not have yeah. that, but he can it, it inject it with like, okay, we can make it's him really a thoughtful. funny, sad. Yeah. You know? I texted a friend that I was watching this film and he said like, now, you know, almost 20 years after after this film was released, like that character is a lot creepier <laughs> than he was yeah. 20 years ago. Because up until the moment when obviously he walks into the bathroom, you're totally on his side. And you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like he doesn't, yeah. like he's attracted to her, but he doesn't want to have anything to do with her. And he keeps like saying like it'd be I mean, like his friends are like it's a stupid fucking move like don't do it don't yeah. be stupid and he's like yeah I know it's stupid and then he but, and then, then he makes yeah and he makes a stupid fucking decision but right? you know what's funny too is that because then there's this scene with Rosario Dawson and Edward Norton when he first meets her and she's like in a schoolgirl yes. outfit yeah. and oh that's she was like seventeen yeah, yeah. so there's and, an interesting and parallel. even in the beginning there is an interesting parallel in the beginning Monty like leans into him and says like yo that girl's cute yes, in the class yeah, and stuff yeah. like that so that those were kind of like strange moments too right. where it was like yeah we didn't really talk about that we want to like his character yeah. but he's also kind of a little creepy too it reminded me of you remember you see a uh, good time yeah, I love Good Time. You remember the scenes with the girl in the, the in little the, girl? It reminded oh. me of that. Have you seen Good Time? No, no. The Pattinson film? Yeah. Great. I've heard, I've heard great things about it. Fucking, it's on um, Amazon Prime. Maybe tomorrow? Yeah. You should watch it's it. It's a fantastic Yeah, there's this movie. there's this like relationship that Pattinson has with this like eleven year old girl. But he kind of has to do what he's yeah, doing in that and, scene. Like, it's, whereas oh, Edward Norton's it's not as bad as, as it sounds, as well as but like he has to yeah, create the quality to it. Yeah. Yeah, he just it it's a great it's a, it's a He ba- he basically to to help himself out of a situation this is in good time, to help himself out of a situation, he he manipulates a younger girl. Okay. But he's also like kind of on the lamb and running away. Yeah. So he has to it's do what he's doing. Great. But like it's it's, it's a great movie. It's so good. Pacman's great in the, that moment though too, because it's at that moment where like she seems to be like in control mm. and she does such a great job of just illustrating that she's just like a re- she's you know, it's a seventeen year old who has yeah. like, no fucking clue what she's doing. Right. And she's yeah, and just it's that's a great scene. I'm like, I'm glad it went to the where it went. Yeah, it's and it's you know the movie doesn't have as much time for for the women as it does for the men, um, but uh, I do think that like the two female characters are really well done. And Rosario Dawson, another great actress who hasn't had the kind of like post later yeah, career you know? like she's in daredevil i feel like that's the only she thing started doing a lot of tv yeah when she like she started with a film career but i think she gravitated towards tv well she was right. in clerks too which was huge well this, was, <laughs> so this has been a great this has been a great that uh, i think it went avatar <laughs> clerks too right then, well alexander <laughs> she in that yeah I've never she seen is it. yeah yeah she's, she's alexander yeah, yeah um mike do you have anything to to um, you want to tell us about any projects you're working on? Anything we should be looking out for? 
I didn't I didn't prep you before this or no I didn't yeah you kind of sprung this on me it's a plug section we can we can <laughs> cut it out I do have a film I'm cutting but uh, you have a film I, what's it about it, uh, it's a short horror film that I that I directed wrote oh, and directed nice. when is it going to uh, be finished hopefully soon it, it's kind I've had kind of hit a couple of roadblocks with the sound edit that I'm ha- mm-hmm. that I did because someone was supposed to do it and then they dropped out so now I had to find someone else and it's just been a whole thing with me dealing with like. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I've been so, there, been there, but, but I have a it's, movie I, sitting on a hard drive. Yeah, I think within the next dust. couple of months, it can be finished. Don't forget yes. to put those uh, Screaming Eagles in the... Oh, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, in the back. You know, if I'll there's one thing now. I'm going to take from in. this film. Wait, 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 quiet, eagle. quiet, quiet, quiet. Let's do some Foley. George, go. Okay, great. I'll send you those sound files. You can use those. You can use I think you need phone. to start this episode. Free of with charge. You have to start this episode with the Eagles. In a world <laughs> where George Frankopoulos does bad bird sounds. Uh, I'm Liam Billingham. I'm George Frankopoulos. I'm Mike Ringelli. And this was... Oeuvre Buster. Yeah! Thanks, bud. We did it. We survived. Yeah.